Well, let's stand and we'll read from our text in Romans 14. Our text this morning is in verse number 10, but we'll read a little bit more than that. We'll begin in verse number 10. Romans 14, verse number 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, we read this earlier, didn't we? As I live. Let that sink in. I mean, this is God speaking, as I live. Sayeth the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us therefore judge, not, let us not therefore judge, sorry, one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. We'll stop there. That gives us enough of what we're looking at uh, and what we already know that we've read in the preceding verses to, uh, to help us remember what we're looking at here. Uh, one, one thing that I wanted to share, a comment I wanted to share in light of our thoughts on whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. I ran across this statement. It seems inconceivable that genuine believers who love and serve the Lord and are well taught in his word can maintain, as some do, that it is possible for a person to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, but not as Lord. He died not only to save us, but to own us. We are the Lord's, right? But to own us. Not only to free us from sin, and get ready, but to enslave us to himself. It's an interesting way to put it, but it is so. He is master. He is Lord. He is king. Um, and I'm a willing servant, aren't you? I'm a willing servant to this master. He's a gracious master. He's a kind master. He's a loving master. Uh, I'm, I'm like the, the man that, that he, he fulfilled his years, Brother JT, but he took and he asked his master, I love my master. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my master's service. Would you would go ahead and put that all right through my ear in the doorpost? I'm yours forever. Uh, that's us. We're his forever, right? Amen. Well, let's, let's pray. Brother JT, would you pray for us? Yes.
Yes. That it might serve the things that you have us to do. Mm. And Lord, once again, bless your word as our pastor brings it. Give him an uh, open mind and a spirit to speak what you have him speak this morning. We these things we ask you for thy name and for thy sake. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Did you hear what he said? Well, before that, that's that's humbling, brother. Now that you mention it, every time I hear an older brother like this say something like that, it puts me in the dust. You know that the Lord would have me to stand here and speak to you all. You know it's an humbling thing. It is. But going back to that thought on dust, he talked about God made man out of the dust. And what did he say after that? Do you hear him? And he made the dust out of nothing. That's East Texan, Sister Shelby. He made the dust out of nothing. Yeah. You've heard that word since you've been here. We don't like, we don't like G's. Yeah. Unless they come to the beginning of the word. We leave them off when they come on the end. Well, y'all know Sister Shelby's originally from a different part of the country. So she's had to learn some of the things that we say. Um, the, the, the one that comes to mind, sister, was when that ambulance driver said, now if I blow a light, you remember that? If I blow, if I blow a light, it doesn't mean you can follow me. And she, after the ambulance left, she looked at me and she said, blow a light? And I'm like, she means if she runs a red light, you can't, <laughs> you can't just follow right through, you know. She got all the lights going. You don't have those, you know. <clears throat> uh, you know, if you take that literally, you, you know what it means to blow a tire. But you know, how is the, how is blowing a light going to make any difference today? I don't understand. Um, and I can I can well, you know, sympathize because we could all. It'd be real easy for us to be taken somewhere else and dropped off and not know what the people were talking about, you know. So, anyway, so what we're looking at this morning is in verse number 10. Why dost thou judge thy brother? And boy, this, this, next, this next part, I mean, it has to do with that part, but why dost thou... Set it not, thy brother. That that word "not" there to set it not. I mean, that's that's pretty serious. Um, why dost thou set it not, thy brother? For we, what brother? Yeah, you are. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Um. So. You think about what Brother Jerry just said, and I mean that that has to do with with judging, and that the word judging has to do with condemning. Um, you you think about a court of law. You got a judge. He's up there at the bench. He's at the bar. You know, and and you've got someone that's that that charges have been brought against, and that judge is is going to make a judgment. And it may be, if that man's guilty, it will be that he be condemned, you know. Uh, so we judge, we condemn. It makes sense in that, in that term, doesn't it? And then when you think about that phrase, said it not, it carries with it the meaning to, think about this, regard with contempt. So judging, condemning, and regarding with contempt, or to despise. It even carries the meaning of despising. And I know we've spoken some about that because verse 3 talked about judging. Um, But back to this term, said it not. Luke 23, 11 says this. And Herod with his men of war. Okay? Herod with his men of war. Talking about the Lord. Set him at naught. Okay? 
and you get a little bit of a feeling, let me finish the verse, and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, a purple you know, robe, and set, sent him to Pilate again. So they set him at naught, they mocked him, they spit in his face, they plucked out his beard, they set a crown of thorns upon his head, they, they, they blindfolded him and struck him and said, you know, prophesy unto us who struck you, you know. Um, you know, these, these are the things that are connected with this phrase of setting someone at naught. And this is, this is being applied to us treating one another as children of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Where, 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 did, I, where did I lose you, sister? Luke 23, 11 is that, is that uh, scene where we have Herod setting the Lord at naught. Let me read another one to you. Acts 4, verse 11. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner or the chief cornerstone. And we know who that's referring to, right? That's Christ. They set him at naught. We will not have this man to rule over us. Right? So... This, this phrase, setting at naught, that's pretty serious, isn't it? I mean, you see the connotation that it carries when we get into you know, Luke 23, 11 and also Acts 4, 11, um, both of those scenes there with Pilate handing the Lord over to those Roman centurions and setting him at naught. Um, the, the Pharisees setting at naught the Lord you know, as the chief cornerstone. I mean, that's... That's pretty important stone, isn't it? I mean, I was talking with somebody yesterday. They said, you know, when you build a house, you don't start with the windows and doors. What do you start with? Foundation, right? You've got to have a foundation. You know, and this is what, this is the head of the corner, the chief cornerstone. This is the foundation. That's what we're talking about here. So, you know, it, 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 it bears repeating, though, as, as we're thinking in, in, in these terms and we're going through these things as we're looking at them in verse number 10, that what we are speaking about here, once again, now, am I belaboring this? Have we been here a while? Well, Paul dedicated all of this that we're looking at. You know, he, he dedicated a chapter you know, to this, and, and, and we, need to, we need to think upon it. We need to comprehend it. We need to make sure that we understand it. We need to make sure that we make application of it um, because it's that important. So it bears repeating that what we're speaking of is, 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 is they're not things that, that are, are matters that the Scripture implicitly says. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. These are the things that are neutral matters. They're non-essential. They're indifferent matters. What, 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 did, what does Paul put it in terms of? Now, we've, this is the face that Paul gives it, but it, it, may, it may look like another thing somewhere else. You know, um, you know we, we gave it other faces as we went along, didn't we? I mean, what face does Paul put upon it here that, that he really says these are matters that are indifferent? One does it and one doesn't do it. What, were they, what does he use? What's the example he gives us in this chapter? Those who eat meat, those who don't eat meat, those who drink, those who don't you know, drink in, in terms of thinking about you know, with the, the Jew and, and you've got <clears throat> pork, that's going to be a little difficult you know, for them being raised all their lives not to eat it. Unclean animal, and here all of a sudden all things are clean. You know the Lord's saying, and so you know there's there's maybe you know some sort of a, a you know drinking in of itself that was attached to some kind of sacrifice to some idol. You know that this person's like I can't. You know or or what about I was just talking to a pastor this week and he told me that he was in Belarus and he was preaching in a, at a seminary or teaching at a seminary, and before he ever even got started, I think his first class there was a fellow come up to him and had to speak to him through a translator, but he was like, do you use wine in communion? And he says, no, we use grape juice. And the guy got all flustered and, and couldn't understand what he was saying. And he asked the translator, what is he saying? He says, you're a heretic. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it, it, you see, 
you see where we are here, right? Um, I mean, that's what it got to. He's like, I was just blindsided, you know. Um, and he, he said in, that, in, in their country, you know, it's like, you know, they, they use wine in the communion service, but they're not allowed to drink it outside, you know, of, of, of the communion service, you know. So, you know, it's just different places. I was listening to Brother Charles Leiter preach this week, and he was talking about that when he was in Romania, it's offensive. For, unless you need to stick your hand in your pocket to get something out, it's offensive to walk around with your hands in your pockets. It's different things, different places. You know, and you'd look at that and say, well, that's silly. It's not to them. It's not silly to them. It means something to them that it doesn't mean necessarily here. You know, there, there are gestures that we make that we don't think anything of. I'm not talking about obscene gestures to us. In other countries, it is obscene. In the Philippines, if you do this and make a motion to come here, that is highly offensive. It's so offensive, it's actually a law, and you can be thrown into prison for it. You know, so there are differences, aren't there, in different places. There are even differences, though, not just in different places, but even amongst ourselves, aren't there? So, once again, we want to make sure that we're, that we're, we're, we're understanding what we're talking about. We're not talking about things that are, without a doubt, prohibited in Scripture. That would be the end of the matter. There's not really any further discussion there. The, the Bible says, no, don't do that. But here are things that aren't necessarily that way. Meat sacrificed to idols. You know, what are you going to do with that? Um, you know, well, we've been given some instruction on it, haven't we? I mean, we know some things. As soon as that sort of a phrase comes up, you know, we start thinking about the fact that some people, you know, did, some people didn't. And the fact that those who did, you know, they were in a kind of a stronger position for what Paul presents to us here, and the ones who didn't kind of in a weaker position, you know, they just couldn't bring their consciences. Their consciences wouldn't allow them, you know, to do that. Others who had a stronger constitution that it didn't bother them whatsoever. It doesn't make any difference that it was sacrificed to an idol. That doesn't bother me in the least. But don't serve that to your brother who has a problem with it. <laughs> don't lay that on the table in front of him. You know, so you know, we, we can think about it that way and think about Paul saying, if it offends my brother, what do he say? If meat offends my brother, I won't, I'll eat meat no more forever. So is that extreme? Yeah, that's extreme. How important is this? That's really extreme, isn't it? Eat meat no more forever? You like meat? I like meat. Ryan cooked a big old brisket back there. I saw it. I could smell it while I go. I guess our, you know how your nose gets used to things after a while and you don't smell it anymore. You know, we'll smell it again once we get back there, but it's already you know, coming down the hallway, you know, isn't it? Um, I like meat, but, you know, Paul says... I'll eat meat no more forever if it offends my brother. Not expedient. Right. Yeah, not to seek our own, but others. Uh, in that sense, I mean, here, you're going to put meat before your brother? That's not edifying. That's not going to edify him. Um, you know, you get into Romans 14 here. You know, what does, what does he, uh, you know, go on to say? He, he, he's, he, he says in verse number 20, look at it. Look at it there with me, Romans 14, verse 20. For meat, destroy not the work of God. Pretty serious, isn't it? You know? Destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. So, I mean, this is, this is serious stuff. Uh, ought to be of great and grave, you know, concern you know, unto us. So the danger, once again, is to, to, for the one, is to, dis, you know, you can despise the one who doesn't eat. And the one, you know, who despise the one who does not eat or judge the one who does. It goes both ways, doesn't it? The one who doesn't, the one who does, there can be things both ways. And there may be wrong thinking, you know, there, but what's their motive? 
What have we seen as we've looked through this? What's their motive? You know, they don't do it. They're not doing it as what? Unto the Lord. You know, their thinking may be wrong. Their thinking may be faulty. But they're doing it as unto the Lord, right? That's the thing. I mean, here's, here's a Christian brother or sister. They're doing this thing unto the Lord. Um, be careful there. You could injure. You could hurt uh, someone. Uh, believe me, the devil will be glad. You know, you, you hear the word devil. You know, what, what, what is he? What is he? What does the Scripture say that he is? What does he undo the brethren? He's an accuser. He's a slanderer, right? And he will be glad to slander an individual person before your thoughts, and he will be glad to slander an entire group of people before your thoughts. In regards to these things, what things? Indifferent things, right? Not prohibited in Scripture, but indifferent things. It doesn't make a difference to me, you know, whether I eat meat sacrificed to the idols, but it does make a difference to them, okay? So that's what we're talking about. Um, you know, the, the thing in my mind, turn over to Matthew 26, the thing in my mind that was reminiscent of, of the scene that we see in Matthew 26. So turn over there with me. Matthew 26. Let me turn there too. That way I give you time to get there because I am highly liable to leave you behind um, and just read the verse of Scripture to you, right, instead of having you turn there. Um, I hear my Aunt Martha, Rich, she would tell my uncle, Jack, give us time to get to the passage, you know. I hear her saying that to me. She wasn't saying it to me. She was saying it to him, but I hear her saying it to me. Um, so what do, we, what do we see here in, in Matthew 26 and verse number 7? Um, let me see if that's where we want to start. No, verse number 6 is where we want to start. Matthew 26 and verse number 6 says, When Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment. I know you know this, this, this story. And poured it on his head as he sat at meat, as he sat to, eat, sat to eat. But when his disciples saw it, what does it say? They had what? Indignation. Sounds a whole lot like this condemnation. Sounds a whole lot like this contempt. Um, they had indignation saying, to what purpose this what waste? To what purpose this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why? What was she doing? She was doing it as unto what? Unto the Lord, right? Yeah, she's doing it unto him. So why trouble ye the woman? She hath wrought a good work upon me. You have the poor with you always, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Now that, in my mind, is reminiscent of what we're looking at in Romans 14, okay? Now you think about who it is that we read here held this woman in indignation. Who, who is this that's holding her indignation, in, in indignation? It's the disciples, right? Well, think about her. I mean, that would be like me, you know, being the pastor of the church, holding someone you know, in the pew, in indignation in a, in a situation like this. This is the disciples. They're holding this woman in indignation. I mean, people that, men that she looked up to, and they're holding her in indignation. What had she done? What had she done? She had done this unto the Lord, and they're holding her in contempt. They're despising what she's done. You know, this is really kind of a scene, you know, of, of, of giving a face, you know, in a way to what we're looking at, you know, here in Romans 14. So the, the, but the Lord says, 
Don't condemn her. Don't chide her. He knew her heart. There's the thing, isn't it? We don't know somebody's heart. They're doing this as under the Lord. They're abstaining from this as under the Lord. And you're looking at that thing and condemning it. You're looking at that thing and judging it. You're looking at that thing and holding them in indignation. You know, that's not, the Lord's not pleased with that. He wasn't pleased with this. You know, why are you bothering her? You, you're, you're not judging rightly here. You know, why are you bothering her? He knew her heart. Why trouble ye the woman? She hath wrought a good work upon me. Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, this is going to be told as a memorial unto her. It's being told today. It's been told today. I mean, and, it, and it struck me this morning as I read it again. Not just now, but earlier this morning in my study. It says there, it shall be told wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world. You know, we get so fixated and focused upon where we are, you know. Yeah, all ages, all over the whole world. Uh, it's just incredible to think about, isn't it? Um, so the, the big thing, you know, they had a difference of opinion, didn't they? You need to take this ointment and go sell it and give it to the poor. Her opinion was, I need to take this ointment and anoint the Lord with it. You know, uh, So there was a difference of opinion here. So the big thing is not the differing issue because we're going to have differences of opinion on things. The big thing is the attitude. That's the big thing. They held her in contempt. They held her in indignation. You know, the big thing is, I mean, we're, we're going to, our consciences are, are going to be different on some things. But what's Paul telling us? Don't hold one another in indignation. Don't hold one another. Don't despise one another. Don't hold one another in contempt. You know, <clears throat> they judged the matter wrongly, didn't they? I mean, the Lord came back and said, "Leave her alone. She's done a good thing." What they thought was that she had done a wasteful thing, but the Lord said, "She's done a good thing. She's done a good thing." So it may seem silly to you what someone does with something. Who are we to say their heart before the Lord? Who are we to say what the Lord might do with that? So are we going to set it not our brother or sister? We ought not to do so. Are we going to despise or regard with contempt that brother or sister for whom Christ died? We ought not to do so. 1 Corinthians 4. Turn over there. 1 Corinthians 4. First Corinthians chapter number four. I could just read these passages to you. But it's good to read them for yourself, isn't it? You know, some people learn different ways. Some people are audible. You know, some people it's you know through sight. Some people it's both. You know. Some people they've got to write it down, make notes and draw pictures and stuff like that. But um 1 Corinthians 4. <clears throat> now think about what I want you to think about here. And I know I haven't given you the verse yet. But I want you to think about this whole idea of this, this judgment that we're talking about, right? So maybe, maybe I need to go back you know, and read verse 10 again before we read this. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So... Back over to 1 Corinthians, chapter number 4. Paul says in verse number 3, yeah, there's, there's something happening here at the church in Corinth, and Paul's being judged for it. Okay? Paul's being, we're going we're gonna to use the word judge. Let's go ahead and throw in the word condemn, right? Paul's being condemned, as it were, for it. And so Paul's response in verse number 3 is, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is 
the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both or both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. I mean, here's this woman. It's made manifest to us, isn't it? That, that used the alabaster box of spikenard. I mean, she was doing it as under the Lord, and the Lord said it's a good thing. The disciples looking at it thought it was a bad thing, a wasteful thing. But here it says that, that the Lord will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. So what did Paul say? It's a very small thing for me that I should be judged of you. I'm judged of someone greater than you. I don't even judge myself. You, know, you, you think about sometimes, you know, what difference is that going to make? Well, if you're impressed of the Lord to do it, do it. You know, who knows what the Lord might do with that, do with you. I can't speak to that person. How, how would they ever listen to me? Uh, well, it's not about you. It, it, the Lord's going to speak. You know, you, you say, you use what the Lord's given you. You use the talents the Lord's given to you. Don't think about somebody else having greater talents than you or greater ability to speak than you. You speak what the Lord's given you, what the Lord's laid upon your heart, you know, to speak. And the Lord will do with it what the Lord chooses, you know. So we don't have to worry about that. Preach the gospel. Witness to that, that person. You know, say what the Lord has given you to say unto them. Tell them about your concern that you have for their soul. Um, who knows what the Lord might do, you know, with that. So Paul's saying it's a small thing that I should be judged by you with man's judgment. I'm going to stand before God who's going to judge. So what are we doing? We're doing what we do as under the Lord. Some people might look at that and say, that's, a, that's silly. Well, maybe it is to you, but it's not to me. And I don't believe it is before the Lord either. You ever seen a child first begin to color on a coloring page? We may have, I don't know, around the house some earlier artwork of Anna. I don't know. There may be some places where she first put that big fat crayon. You know, you get the bigger crayons when they've got the little fingers, you know, and they can grab a hold of it. And they're just, and they're, not even do, they're not holding it like a pencil. They've got it in their hand like this. And they're doing that kind of thing. And it's the whole page with one color. And there's all outside the lines. And maybe another color will come back in over the top of that color. And, and, and then they bring it to you and they're like, Look, see what I did, right? What do you do? You gonna judge that thing? You gonna condemn that thing? So we have a. You see what I'm saying? We have a weaker brother or sister, you know, in the Lord, and they're doing this thing as under the Lord, and then you're gonna go in there and say, "Look, this needed to be red, and you're outside the line here." And that over there needed to be yellow, and this here has to be green. This can't be any other color but green. What's that going to do? You know, destroy not the work of God, you know, by your opinion on the matter, you know, in things that are indifferent, right? Our coloring isn't perfect either, is it? I mean, we compare our coloring to their coloring and say, hmm, that could be a lot better. What about our coloring compared to the Lord's? You know, how far short do we fall? How many times do we get outside the lines? But what about what they're doing and it's unto the Lord? I mean, here she is. She's coloring this thing. She says, here, Dad, look. Look what I did. That's great, honey. You did a good job. She did the best that she could do. You know? The woman with the alabaster box of spikenard, she did what she could. She did what she could. The disciples regarded it as wasteful. The Lord said, it's a good thing. You know, how about Apollos? You know, you remember Apollos and Aquila and Priscilla? You remember that scene? You want anybody familiar with that? You want to turn over there? Acts eighteen, Acts chapter eighteen, verses twenty-four and twenty-five. The eighteenth chapter of the book of Acts. I believe it's around the 24th verse. 
Paul has, Paul has left Aquila and Priscilla here, and they came upon a certain Jew in verse 24 named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man. It says, and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. What's he doing here? This is, this, he's speaking of the Lord. He's doing this as unto the Lord, right? Knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them. They didn't berate him. They didn't condemn him. They took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Isn't that something? You know, there's a scene where you, know, you have this gentleness, you have this meekness, you have this humbleness, you have this desire to, to help. To re- they received him. They didn't reject him. I mean, what do we see in the beginning of verse, verse 1 of, of Romans 14? It says, him that is weak in the faith receive you. What was Apollos? He only had the baptism of John. He was weak in the faith in a sense, wasn't he? What did they do? Reject him? We're not going to have him speak anymore. No, they received him. They took him unto themselves, and they spoke unto him more perfectly, you know, the things of God. So he hadn't even gotten any, he hadn't gotten any further than the, the baptism of John, but, but he was doing what he could. He was preaching what he knew, and they took him aside and ex- explained to him the way of God more perfectly. Spurgeon says, he had not gotten farther than that. But it is always well to tell out what you do know. He was telling out what he knew, right? It is the way to learn more, he says. And we doubt not that many a half-instructed Christian is doing good in his way. He's doing good with what he has, what he knows. He's doing good in his way. And it is not for us to stop him or to find fault with him, but rather quietly to endeavor to tell him more of the truth. That's what Aquila and Priscilla did with Apollos. They didn't tell him, you need to get back to your study. You hadn't learned enough yet, you know. They didn't condemn, but they encouraged. So we see someone, it may seem silly to us. It may seem like something that they didn't, they don't have, that's not required. You don't have to do that, you know, but they're doing it as under the Lord. Encourage them. Encourage them. I'm sure that Paul took Aquila and Priscilla aside at one point and probably more perfectly instructed them in in the ways of God. How many of us can say we have nothing left to learn? Hmm. We, 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 have, we have some of you here in our midst that, that are in your 80s, some that are in, in your 70s, you know, um, I guess you're still in your 60s, aren't you? you next year? Not, man, you're not in your 70s yet, are you? You are? Okay. So I was making you younger. You said, yes, yeah, yeah. I'm only 65. We have anything yet left to learn? Sure. You know, I got, you, you, you walk into the place where I study and there's books. There's books. There's books. You know? And then that's not all the books. Brother Jerry, I came along at a time, you know, when things were on a computer too. No, I haven't. That's what I'm saying. You know, I got books upon books upon books inside my computer. There's no way in my lifetime I'll be able to read them all. You buy this sort of a package thing and it's got all these works in it, you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm involved in the ones that have to do with where the Lord has us at at the time, most of, of the day, most of the week, you know, but there's so much. There's so much yet to learn, so much more for us to grow, just like with, you know, Priscilla and Aquila coming alongside Apollos. You know, there was that adversarial relationship between David and Saul. 
When you're thinking about judgment, I was thinking about that. And David said to Saul, the Lord judge between me and thee. That would be another way in Paul saying it's a little, it's a light thing for me to be judged by you. It's a small thing for me to be judged by you. I'm going to be judged by the Lord himself. And David here says, you know what? Here's my actions. I've done what I've done, you know, as unto the Lord before the Lord. You remember there he was in the cave and the men were saying, there's Saul, kill him. All your troubles are over. And David says, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. I'm not going to do him harm. And so here David's saying, the Lord judge between me and thee. When I think about judgment here on these things, the weaker, the stronger, the meat, the drink, you know, I said we put some other faces on it. Like some people would say, well, you know, you don't really love your kids unless you homeschool them. Well, that's not true. There's, there's a lot of people that, that they send their kids to public school. They love them just as much as, you know, we do. Um, though I know people who would say the opposite. I know, I know men that would say that. They would be adamant about it, you know. But they're doing what they do as unto the Lord, Right? So, we're all guilty of passing this sort of judgment out. I mean, we dispense it at will. It's easy to dispense this sort of judgment, isn't it? If they would only do things this way, you know, what about Job's friends, right? Job, if you'd just confess your sin, that wasn't the issue. It's easy to dispense, you know, this sort of judgment. You'd be better off if you do things the way that we do them, you know. And, you know, I am, I'm not saying that I'm not thankful for, I mean, just this week, I said something, and my wife says, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And I said, you know what, you're right. You're right. I'm thankful for, you know. Her sister Shelby, the Bible says, when a man finds a wife, he, finds a, he, he, he obtains a good thing, Right? There she is, and she was reminding me. It wasn't, she didn't, she didn't condemn me, you know, brother. She's just gently, you know, maybe we ought to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. We do need to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, it wasn't about anybody here, you know. It's totally something else. Um, but we all need to be reminded. Paul's reminding us here in this chapter about this sort of thing because we could be like the disciples saying that's wasteful and the Lord saying no it's a good thing how poor of a judge we can be can't we we can be a very poor judge of things the Lord says the day will bear it out or Paul said there in Corinthians the day will bear it out the Lord will make it clear you know before I knew that a caterpillar became a butterfly, I was a very poor judge of its beauty. You know, you look at that thing, well, that's ugly. And look, it wrapped itself up in that paper-looking thing. That's just a worm, yeah. <clears throat> but look what it became. You know, beautiful butterfly. What a transformation. What a metamorphosis, you know, that is. What can God do? Hmm? What can God do with these things that we look at and say, that's wasteful, that's silly, you shouldn't do that, you should do this. You know, we're dispensing these thoughts and these judgments and, you know, condemning, you know, things that people are doing. What about when that little boy showed up at the preaching service with five loaves, you know, and two fishes? How many people were... Just, just men, how many people were there? Didn't include the wives and children. 5,000. How easy would it be for us to pass judgment and say, five loaves and two fishes, what's that going to do? The Lord fed them all. You know. So instead of renouncing or disregarding a brother, we need to encourage. Instead of discouraging, we need to encourage. In those places, like I said, you know, we're, 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 we're laying down, 
you know, the, the, the fundamental guidelines here that these are things that are indifferent. We're not talking about things that the Scripture speaks explicitly on. You know, these are indifferent things. You know, some people go around judging all the time what other people do. Why do they do that? Why do some people do that? Now, I'm not saying everybody does this, this because of this, but why some people do that is because they don't do it right themselves. It's easy to find fault in other people, not look at myself. And that, that gets us right back to the place where you got the speck and the beam and the log, right, in our eye, right? You know, we're not dealing with judgment comprehensively as a subject. We're dealing with it from this place, you know, right here, right now. Because we can't just make a blanket statement and say, you're not to judge at all. Because we are to judge with righteous judgment. You know, we, we know there's places that we're going to have to judge. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's a silly example. But I went into my closet this morning, and, and Teresa has things divided. There's, there's jeans here, and there's T-shirts here, and there's dress pants here, and there's dress shirts here. And, you know, you go on, and things are categorized. There's suits over there. There's all these dress pants. I judged which ones I was going to put on this morning. There's all these dress shirts. I judged which one I was going to put on this morning. You know, we, we make judgments all the time, don't we? Um, and God's, God's given judgment to men upon this earth as far as, as authority is concerned, as far as government is concerned. So, you know, we're not making a blanket statement against judging anything. No, we're talking about judging in a wrong way. John seven twenty two says, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. You know, what was the appearance to the disciples of the alabaster box of spikenard? Wasteful. What was the judgment of the Lord who can see the heart? Good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So, we may think we've arrived. I've got it. I understand what Paul's saying here. But I'm certain... We're going to find ourselves down the road, and we're going to find ourselves in a situation where we're going to pass judgment on something, and this, I pray, this the Lord would bring to mind, you know, that, that we not judge, you know, in that way, but that we rather receive, as we've seen in this text, and we encourage, and we seek to help. We're talking about Christians here. We're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. We're talking about those that are of the same family, Right? Right. There will be a final judgment. That, if we're going to think about judgment, I don't, that's not without being in view here. It's absolutely in our text that we're looking at here in Romans 14. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Right? I'm not going to be judged for what Brother Jerry did. I'm not going to be judged for what Andrew did. I'm not going to be judged for what Ryan did. I'm not going to be judged for what JT or my dad did. I'm going to be judged for what I did. Yeah, we're all going to stand before an answer for ourselves, you know. So, you know, Matthew 25 certainly brings that into view, doesn't it? Um, If you want to turn over there, Matthew 25, verse 31 Matthew, the 25th chapter, and the 31st verse, the heading of the chapter in my Bible says, the return of Christ in judgment. Matthew twenty-five thirty-one, and I know we just read this recently, but it, 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 it bears repeating, so we'll read it again. Matthew twenty-five thirty-one. when the Son of Man shall come in his glory... And all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Can can you get past that without thinking about the, just the might, the glory, the incredible, uh, you know, awesomeness of the scene that that is displayed here? This is the King of Kings, and this is the Lord of Lords. I mean, there's there's a sort of glory in. In in a king's coronation, you know, as far as an earthly king is concerned, you imagine the king of kings coming in all of his glory. I mean, we've not we've not seen a scene like that. 
and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer. And say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you've done it unto me. Let me take you back to the coloring page. Hmm? I mean, how are we going to treat the one who's coloring outside the lines? You know, the one who might not even be holding the crayon right and holding it with their fist, and they're coloring with one color. And they didn't color the whole image. They colored part of it. And they colored some parts that weren't supposed to be colored. They may have even colored it on the table. You know? You know, how are we going to treat them? Well, the Lord says, how you treat them, you treat me. How important is it how we treat, you know, one another? How you treat them, you treat me. You've done it unto them, you've done it unto me. We want to think about that in the positive, don't we? But it works the other way too, doesn't it? Because you go on and you keep reading where the Lord says unto those on his left hand in verse number 41, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was unhungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. I was naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister? We had known that. If we had known it was you, no, they wouldn't. If we had only seen you in that kind of need, we would have done that for you. Then shall he answer them, verse 45, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. He's the final judge of everything that we see. Things that we may, you know, pass judgment upon and say, that's silly, that's wasteful. He's the final judge. He has the final say. We will be judged on how we treat one another, apparently, right? And how we treat one another is how we've treated you know, him. We've done it. What, what, what's happening here in Romans 14? They're doing it as unto the Lord, right? So, what a scene, though, when the king comes with all of his angels and is seated upon his throne. We talked about that knee this morning, didn't we? It's going to bow. That knee that said it never would, will. That tongue that said it never would, will. Men will fall in front of him. They're going to see. You know, we, we sing that hymn, let all mortal flesh keep silence. How are we going to compare that, you know, with every knee bowing and every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father? Well, when it comes to the judgment and the condemnation that's going to be handed out that day, every mouth will be stopped. They will have no answer. They will have no rebuttal. You can imagine the Lord bring to bear upon them in all of his glory himself and their deeds, and they will not be able to do anything else but bow. You are Lord. They will wish they had bowed before him in this life, but they will be able to do nothing else but bow before him. 
So we'll all bow. We'll all confess. We'll all have to give an answer. We're all going to stand before him. And we're going to stand for ourselves. And I'm not, we're not going to stand by ourselves because we are the Lord's, right? We have an advocate. When you think about that, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Right? So, you know, think about them, though. They have no advocate. They have no mediator. Right? They'll stand and give an account. They'll not be able to stand. Who could stand? Who could stand before him? The only standing that... I mean, we, we gladly bow before him. But we have a standing in Christ, don't we? You know? We have a sure foundation. They have none. Uh, Our house is built upon the rock. Theirs is built upon sinking sand. We've got some sand out there on the farm. Most of the dirt out there is sand, and you can sink in it. Ryan gets out there with a tractor, and he takes that grapple, and he goes and he grabs a big log, you know, and he's, 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 he's he's, he's got weight on the back of it, but that sand such, it just sits there, and the tires just spin. You can't get any traction. They have no traction. They have no standing. I must give an account of myself. I will stand before the Lord and answer for my own actions. I've really got enough to do without being worried about whether Sister Shelby's doing something right. You know, receiver, encourager, you know. I'm not saying I wouldn't try to help her. Come alongside like Priscilla and Aquila, but... What I'm saying is walking around saying, no, nope, you're not doing that right. No, nope, you're not doing that right. No. Nope. And that's all that there is to it. You know, it's just judgmental, just passing out judgment everywhere. You know, I've got enough to deal with right here, you know, not to be about that. So, well, again, I, I know that, that I'm not belaboring the point. Paul's, we're, we're, we're working our way through here. Paul's still got us, you know, here in the midst of looking at this. And like I said, get us down the road. I don't know how far. How far is it going to take to forget some of these things, Brother JT? Hmm? Is it going to be an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, ten years? You know, We'll find ourselves saying, Lord, I'm sorry. That thing that I know of there in Romans 14, I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it right now. If it, even if it's in my mind, I'm doing it. Maybe I hadn't said it to somebody. Maybe I have said it to somebody. I've got to go, go to them and say, I'm sorry. You know, but, but how long is it going to take for me to, to leave where we are right now and find myself in the very position that we're talking about? I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. Stop doing it. <laughs> Let's not do it anymore. Um, Lord, help us not to do it. You know, it's like that scene there with Peter and the Lord saying, you're going to deny me three times. You know, how much better? Or, or, or the scene there with the alabaster box of Spikenard, how much better for them to say, Lord, is this, is this a good thing? Instead of, you know, being indignant, instead of openly proclaiming it's wasteful, Lord, I'm a poor judge. Is, is this a good thing? Uh, how much better? You know, would that be? Um, instead of them having to be reprimanded on the backside and saying, no, you're wrong. This was a good thing. She did this, anointing my body unto burial. It wasn't wasteful. You have no cause. You have no cause to condemn her. You have no cause to hold her in with indignation. No cause. She's doing what's good. You're in the wrong. She's in the right. How often we have those shoes on different feet. Right. All right. Well, let's let's stand and go once again to the Lord in prayer. Oh, go ahead, brother. Yeah, go ahead. We would not be judged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yes, yes, and, and we, thankfully, we are chastened of the Lord. Why are we chastened of the Lord? Because we're His. We're His. We're children. We're children. 
He's, he's a father that we read pitieth, you know, his children. So, yeah, it's a good thought, brother. Yeah. Because we're going to find ourselves there. We're going to find ourselves there. If no, nowhere else, probably in thought. Tempted to think that way about somebody, about a certain situation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you do this you know, but you got to do it yourself. Right. Right. So. Yep. Eating and drinking judgment unto themselves, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Amen.